What if I told you loving yourself could change your life? It can, and I know from experience. I'm Lauren, and this is the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. Everyone is worthy of self-love and guilty of letting others develop narratives about you. It's time to shut that down and own your narrative. Let's cut out the negativity and let yourself shine. It's never too late to love yourself inside out. It's Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. Hope everyone's week is going well. I just want to highlight that today we have a super amazing guest. Her name is Rebecca, and she is going to talk about all the things she does in so many women's and girls' lives. And it's so cool, so impressive. And before we introduce her, let me read her bio just so you get an idea of who Rebecca is. Rebecca Phillips is an advocate for women and girls in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. Her platform, Robots and Rhinestones, works to provide an exciting and inclusive experience for females in STEM, no matter what age. She is a technologist herself with over 20 years of professional experience in the high-tech field. In addition, she is a plus-size model and patent queen. Rebecca is a proud wife and a fur mommy that calls Austin, Texas home. She loves her city, the live music capital of the world. Let's give a great round of applause, or if you're driving, hold on to that steering wheel, but let's welcome Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. Hey, how are you? Very good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So I have to absolutely. This is very exciting. I'm very excited. Everyone, I know you know Michelle, if you've been tuning in, she's been on my pod a few times. Um, Now we've learned about her and her pageant experience, but she's the one who connected me to Rebecca and she was like, she is a must have for your podcast. And in the time I've been getting to kind of know Rebecca before this, Michelle is right. Absolute must have. But Rebecca, before we kick it off, I must know what kind of animal do you have to make you a fur mommy? I have a cat named Pippa. Um, oh, yay. And, and so she, um, I adopted her when she was only three months old. So I am definitely imprinted as mommy. And I'll never forget when I went to uh, the rescue to, you know, check out the cats and see who you bonded with. Yeah. And I had an instant connection. And I'll never forget the lady that ran the um, shelter said, now this one is a diva. And I looked her dead in the eye and I said, perfect. We speak the same language. And uh, yeah, we do. Here we are 10 plus years later. And uh, yeah, she's my little fur baby. Oh my goodness. I love that story. And the fact that you connected like right away and knew that you were meant to be is just everything. That's such a good feeling. Yes, for sure. Okay. So in your bio, we covered that you do STEM. Can you explain a little bit about how you're involved with the um, STEM program and advocate for it? But like, is this part of your full-time career or is this a passion project? Can you explain how all of this works? Sure. Um, So I'll start with sort of how I got into this. Uh, When I was in high school, which was many moons ago, I was told girls are not engineers, even though that was the path I wanted to follow. I was actually not even allowed in the computer club because the teacher told me girls are not allowed in the computer club, but he probably explained to me where the typing class was and told me, sweetheart, you can go take typing. So I was very discouraged, found another route and I went into marketing 
And uh, when I was finishing up my master's degree, I was looking for um, just part-time work, something that I could finish my thesis. And ironically, um, there were two high-tech firms here in Austin that were hiring. And I started working as just an administrative assistant part-time. Like I said, didn't really want any, you know, any really heavy work. Right. Then about three or four weeks, my, the VP that I work for said, no, you're in marketing and move me into marketing. So it took a mentor and someone that recognized me to actually get me into the career path that I really wanted. Here I am 20 something odd years later, still working in the semiconductor field. Oh, cool. Absolutely, absolutely love it. So my passion is working with girls and women um, to ignite that excitement in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, and, and let them understand my story and know that no is not an obstacle. We just have to figure out a way around that no. And it's totally there is a path forward if they love they love any of that. Um, I work with a lot of young girls and they tell me, oh, Rebecca, but I don't like science. I don't really like math. And I ask them, you know, what is your passion? Frequently it's art or writing or something like that. And I'm like, do you like to tear things apart and figure out how things work? And most of the time it's a resounding, yes, I absolutely do. I'm like, great, you can have a career in technology. And so I help them put those dots together. So for example, if they like art, maybe you could be a graphic artist working in, you know, one of those technology fields. If you're a writer, there's tons of places for you to write either marketing content or technical documents or anything like that. So I help them put those dots together and understand you know, if someone tells you no, or if you think that you don't quite fit in, guess what? You do. Let's figure out how to make that work. I love that, that it's like you're a positive mentor in their way to like really help them understand they can get into a field that is primarily male dominated, which is so cool. Um, and so you mentioned that you had a mentor that kind of helped see who you were and where you could go in the career. Is it that mentorship um, relationship that you had that kind of helped make you want to fulfill that same kind of role for others? Um, So actually I came about it sort of in a backwards way. (laughs) So I, I um, actually, so there is a high school robotics competition called FIRST, and that stands for for the inspiration, um, let me get this right, for recognition, inspiration of science and technology. Mm-hmm. And one of my coworkers took me to a FIRST competition. He was, he had been on a robotics team when he was in high school. And he's like, Rebecca, I think you're going to love this. And he, we drove from Austin up to Dallas to watch this um, competition. It was the coolest experience, I, one of the coolest experiences I've had in my life. It was at SMU in their big um, basketball arena. It was full of high school kids there for this robotics competition. High schools brought their cheerleaders, their mascots. Oh, they were cool. decked out in high school colors. And they were just there to root on the robotics teams. I was like, of course, there was nothing like that when I was young. So no. it was absolutely moving for me to watch this. These kids that might not be sports oriented, right? Maybe that's not what they want to do. But guess what? They have an outlet to be in a team experience, have support, have that spirit and backing. And it is an instant family. 
Like all of these teams, even though they're competing, they work together. So the competition has a great term that I absolutely adore and it's called cooperation. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that before. I know. Isn't that amazing? So they compete, but they cooperate. So it's cooperation. So you may be in a, in a match uh, competing against a robot, but you're there and there, they have like little pit areas you might be in their pit helping them debug their software or maybe their battery doesn't work. So you're going to share a battery with them and vice versa. But you could still be out on that competition field in 20 minutes competing against them. Everybody's in it together. And it really is this family type atmosphere. I that left is. Dallas and I was like, hands down, how do I participate? And that's how I started to mentor um, high school robotics team. Oh, my goodness. That is an amazing story. <laughs> <laughs> like that is so cool the the way that is set up and in a field where you don't necessarily think of all of that right that is so cool and uh, then um later that year sorry later that year i got to go to the world competition ooh. which was in st louis then now they're um, held in houston and then I got to see teams from Australia, Mexico, Israel, like all over the world come and compete. And it was just this like out of the world experience for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, there are kids all over the world having this exact same experience. And here is this outlet for them to foster their love for technology. Wow. That that's really cool that it, the world level. And then you got to see that and be part of, you know, all of that magic that was happening there. Yeah. That just seems like a once in a lifetime type opportunity to have that initial experience where you realize there's something so cool and important going on. Absolutely. And that was about, about 12 years ago. And so I've mentored robotics teams ever since. And so when you're mentoring robotics teams, you know, is that a big commitment for you um, going through that process? And like, are you still in touch with some of the kids or females, women um, that you worked with throughout the time? So I do keep in touch with a few of them. Um, you know, typically once they graduate high school, you know, they're on to college, but some of them still uh, keep in contact. It's amazing how when they get into the professional world, they reach out to me on LinkedIn and I get to watch their careers. And that's uh, always amazing. Um, that is. Yeah. So for a time commitment, it is a bit of a time commitment. Their competition season kicks off in January and it ends roughly April, May timeframe, just depending on how the calendar works. So I'm usually at uh, what typically they call the shop um, from mid-January through March to April, at least two nights a week. And that can be for a couple hours a night. Um, and then once we go to competitions, I'm usually there with them traveling to the weekend competitions, which could be um, a Thursday through Sunday. Sometimes it's a Friday through Sunday, just depending on you know how the competition lines up. So um, that is my spring and uh, wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I absolutely love it. Uh, my husband is kind of starting to catch the bug. He'll watch um, the competitions on his phone and get all excited. He knows team names and all of that. So it's fun that it's kind of become a family event. Oh, that's way cool. Yeah. That it's all pulling together. So you have your career, you 
you do the mentorship and you're very active in the STEM program and nurturing all of that knowledge. And the other major piece that people may not realize you do yet, or they might from your bio, but is that you're competing in pageants as well. Yes. So how do you fit that in? How, like, how did, how did that come to be? And how do you, how do you fit that into your schedule? Because that is not a light um, undertaking. It is a very time intensive thing. It It is a, it is a very time intensive commitment. Um, so I did my first pageant um, roughly two, three years ago now. And my, uh, it was um, a self-challenge. I wanted something that was completely outside of my comfort zone. And part of that was I'm asking girls to step out of their comfort zones mm-hmm. um, when I'm asking them. So I wanted to find something that was completely outside of my comfort zone. I, um, I'm not the typical girly girl. Uh, and uh, so pageants were this very foreign concept to me and being plus size pageant, that was even more of a foreign concept. And I had this sort of weird thing that I wanted to do my first pageant before I was 50 years old. That's so awesome. I competed in my first pageant just prior to turning 50. And it was absolutely amazing. I loved it. Totally caught the bug. Um, give me some rhinestones, bling something up. And I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> I love that. I love the rhinestone. Like, yes, just bling it up. It, it, everything sparkle is amazing. Exactly. If it sits still long enough, it's, you know, there's going to be hot glue and a rhinestone or E6000 and a rhinestone. Come on. It's just (laughs) um, (laughs) glitter is now part of my life, right? As you know, gowns have glitter on them and you just, Mm -hmm. you know, the only way to get rid of that is uh, I think we have to burn the house down to get rid of the glitter. I don't. (laughs) If you found a way, like, please share. (laughs) I don't. My poor husband, his truck is just full of glitter and it doesn't matter how many times we vacuum it. It's just so funny because like, I'm like, oh, that dress was worn here. Like, because you can tell by the colors of glitter in the truck. It's just (laughs) hilarious. Um, But yeah, so it is a delicate balance, right? To, um, have a full-time career, a, you know, just a regular life, you, you know, social life with friends, mm-hmm. uh, mentoring in robotics and, and, you know, prepping for a pageant, as you know, prep is super intensive. That's multiple hours a week. It's not for the faint of heart for sure. No, that is true. And I just want to read a quote that was in an article that you had sent me that you had been published in before. And it says, I had to be in a place with myself to be able to say, I'm going to get on that stage in front of a whole bunch of strangers and let them judge me. Can you explain a little bit about your thought process and how you got to that? Because that quote is so powerful. I related to it so much when I first read it. And I was like, okay, she's my type of girl. Like, (laughs) This explains so much about the type of person you are and how positive and hardworking you are and what kind of self-confidence you have. So I would just love for you to explain more about that because this is a self-love podcast and yes. we're all about self-confidence here. So I had to get to a place that I could do that, right? Um, had you asked me five years ago, could I get on a stage and do that? And the answer would have been absolutely no. So there was some mental preparation before I even filled out that form to say, yes, please consider me for your pageant. And it was a lot of internal 
you know, conversations with myself that said, Rebecca, you're worthy. You can do this. Um, you know, there's no reason they shouldn't want you as their next queen. But that was a lot of um, self-love that had to happen mm-hmm. to get to that place. And yeah, being on a stage and having people judge me, um, not for you know, my, um, you know, typical professional uh, preparations, right? I can get on a stage, I can talk to 500 engineers and tell them all about a product and not think twice about it. And, you know, I've done it all over the planet. I've done it in China with a translator. But to be on a pageant stage is a totally different experience. You're just there and you're beaming your inner light and you're hoping that that is your day to be selected as the next queen. So you just Mm, get on there, you love yourself, and you just push out that confidence that, yes, I am what you're looking for. Yes. Oh, that's such a powerful message. I am what you're looking for. Um, What is your favorite part of the pageant? Like, what do you love to compete in most? I love interview. Interview is my absolute favorite. Um, It is my time to actually share my story and share who I am. And that's, you know, that five to seven minutes, which is typically your interview time is my absolute favorite part of any pageant week or weekend. Ooh, that's good. (laughs) What is yours? Come on. What is your favorite part? (laughs) Um, I would have to say interview was good. The very first one though was a little different than I anticipated. But Mm -hmm. once I got in the groove, I really did like that. And then I also think um, evening gown. There's just something about being in the evening gown up there where you're like, this is me at my very best. (laughs) Right. Yes. I would say that's my second. Right. You get up there and and just the ability to kind of float along that stage is uh, it's a very unique experience. Yes, that is so true. It is. I would say my least favorite part of it all was learning how to walk in super, super high heels. <laughs> I had lots of stumbles along the way. What, what's been your most challenging part in prepping oh, for pageants? Heels, hands down heels. Yes. And, and I can't, I can't do super high ones. I just flat out can't, you know, uh, Michelle pushes me to try <laughs> and, um, you know, we do our best, but yeah, I can't do the super high ones. I just, <laughs> not that graceful. <laughs> I, no. always joke, I always joke. I was thankful my mom put me in ballet class when I was young. I only took probably three or four years when I was very little, but I might be dead by now because I'm very clumsy. So I think those three <laughs> or four years at least helped me stand up and stay upright somewhat. <laughs> yes, exactly. They've paid off for sure. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know though. Walking in any higher heel and it's just... I don't know. It's it's a unique art form, I think, for people don't I don't think really understand until you've put on that high of a heel, like what a difference it is from a regular pair of heels. Yeah. I'm always in awe of women that can wear them regularly, right? Yes. They they don't think twice about it. And I travel a lot and especially like when I'm in countries where there's cobblestone. Oh my goodness. I'm absolutely blown away. Like these women are just running down the street. Like there's no big deal. And I I guess that's what you grow up with. And so it's not anything different, but I'm just always in awe and amazement of how well they can do that. And I'm just like, I'm a little envious to be frank. 
Yeah, no, I am too when I see that. And I'm like, maybe I used to do kind of that in my 20s, but it's been a long time (laughs) since I have. So it is, I'm not anywhere close to them, but I'm like, maybe with more practice, eventually one day I'll be like, yep, I'm just going to wear these out tonight (laughs) and see what happens. I do have a pair of rhinestone ones um, by Mark DeFang that I have not actually worn in pageants at all. I just got them because I love them. And so like maybe one day I'll wear those out. (laughs) That's so funny. I just ordered a pair from his um, sample cell and they're, they're at my mailbox. I haven't picked them up yet, but I have to admit I got the block heel, not the skinny heel. So no, the block heels are way cute though, too. I kind of, I'm like, why didn't I think of getting those? (laughs) Yeah. And and I got the total AB blinged out ones, right? Yes. So I can't wait. I can't wait to pick them up and see, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like ice skating the first time. Like, let me see how many times I can stand up and not stand up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Cause eventually it feels like your ankles are giving out a little, or they've gotten a little numb. Right. Uh, and then you're like, wait, does my foot really fit on the shoe that way? Or am I going to like fall? <laughs> I actually had um, a pageant queen, a, a pageant director. I was talking to just a couple of weeks ago and she said, if you get the right gown, they'll never see your shoe. Mm-hmm. I have one ankle that's way weaker than another one. And she said, if you get your dress and you know do it very strategically, they won't see it. And you can just tape your shoe onto you. Oh. And I was like, where has this secret been? Yeah. And then she explains to me that they do this um, like in movies and TV shows. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I look it up. And sure enough, Sarah Jessica Parker, they taped those shoes onto her. Okay. Well, they there you've heard it, folks. Clear, <laughs> they use clear tape. So you can Google this. You will see pictures of Sarah I Jessica Parker when going to. Yes. Now, I'm sure it's not all of them. She's, you know, she's got her own shoe line. So I'm sure she can handle it. But yeah. there are certain shoes that she is like scotch taped into. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> That is amazing. And I'm definitely looking that up because that is a trick that I might have to use myself with some of these shoes. (laughs) I know. I was like, wow. So I don't know if I'll be able to use it in in any pageants coming up, but it's definitely intriguing to try to figure out. Well, yeah. Please tell me, you know, any titles, any future pageants, what's coming up on the horizon for you in the pageant world? So I'm super excited. I am participating in a pageant the very first week in November. The pageant is called Queen of the World. And this is the USA pageant. And it tracks to Queen of the World International pageant in April. Okay. So I'm competing in the elite category, which is 50 and up. So I am the current elite Texas Queen of the World. Yay. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, I can't wait. It's in uh, New Jersey. Okay. So this will actually be my first time to fly to a pageant. I've always been able to drive. Oh. I'm a a little nervous about editing of what I take. because I was going to say, that's going to be a little different packing. It's going to be very different packing. Luckily, this is a weekend pageant, not a full week. So I don't have to take quite as much. But... uh, I pack everything except for the kitchen sink. So I am definitely going to have to edit to be able to get on the airplane. Little nervous about that. (laughs) You'll be able to do it. I'm sure with Michelle's guidance and you're like, you have a few like 
weeks to still think through this all. So <laughs> oh, I've already, I've already started my packing list. I've already, yes, <laughs> I've already there. started the list and I'm like, okay, normally I take, you know, like a full thing of safety pens. I'm like, Rebecca, do you need a full thing of safety pens for the weekend? Probably not, you know, create mm-hmm. just a, mm-hmm. a, a Ziploc bag of them. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to start working on culling down my stuff so I can fit into the two suitcases and uh, one carry-on. Eek! Yeah, <laughs> it is an eek. So what what is it about this pageant system or what does this pageant system stand for? And for those of you who aren't really involved in pageants or don't know, a lot of the systems have very unique stories behind them and reasons they're out there and how they're contributing back to whether it's the state, the country, or the world in this case. So Rebecca, what what was it that drew you to this pageant? So Queen of the World is about uh, inclusiveness. Mm. So it really is a pageant for everyone. It is about modern women and being inclusive, which I really gravitated towards. It's a relatively new pageant. But so far, I've been able to talk to several of the queens, and they absolutely had these amazing and moving experiences. So I'm super excited to go and meet previous queens and, you know, competing queens and and actually experience it. But it really was the inclusive message that I was like, sign me up. I'm ready. Yeah, that does sound super nice. And I like that you said modern woman, too, because that means a lot to different people, but it's always a positive Mm -hmm. thing when you think of today's modern woman. So what do you think modern woman stands for? What do you want it to stand for for you? So modern woman to me stands for um, a woman that has decided her path and follows it. This doesn't mean she has to be a professional woman and she's got this high, you know, super high career. Mm -hmm. This could be a woman that's, you know, decided that she is going to be a stay-at-home mom and do the most amazing job she can at that. To me, that's a modern woman. Someone sitting in a CEO seat, she could be a modern woman. Yes. It is the commitment to yourself that you are in charge of your destiny. To me, that's a modern woman. I like that. That's so like spot on with just embracing who you are, believing in yourself and doing everything you can to just give yourself the most amazing experience this life has to offer. Absolutely. In your bio, it also said that you're a plus size model. Can you explain how you got into that and how that fits into everything that you're doing? (laughs) Um, So I got into it through pageantry. Um, So a lot of pageants work with designers and, um, you know, just uh, uh, modeling shows and and opportunities like that. My first runway show was New York Fashion Week last year. Okay. So if we're going to start, let's start big, you know? Yes. I was going to say like, okay, that's just a tiny show, right? Like (laughs) no big deal. Let's just go ahead and start big. Right. Um, Yeah. So I actually had Michelle um, help me because a model walk is different than a pageant walk. Okay. Um, Oh my goodness. Yes. People (laughs) that aren't really into it. uh, Or if you aren't super familiar, there are two different techniques to this. 
So I actually did some sessions on what a model walk is versus a pageant walk. So I could get on the runway and um, feel like I could hold my own. Yes. Uh, it was very interesting. Um, it's a totally different environment than pageants. I kind of went into it thinking, oh, I've done all these pageants. I got this, right? I so did not have it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> explain, explain. <laughs> so um, you... Um, you know, in a pageant, really, it's it's all you, right? It's your self game, right? right? You're backstage and it's like, you've got your little area, you're doing all of your stuff. That's not what happens. When you're backstage here, you're being pulled in different directions. Somebody's doing your makeup. Maybe someone, you have to go to a different place to get your hair done. And okay. you're being pulled in all these different directions. And then I walked for three different designers. So I had three different designers that I had to do fittings for before the show. Yeah. And then, you know, they had the order of designers and you get your first outfit on, you're out there, you strut your stuff, you do your thing, you come back and the, the people backstage are uh, almost pulling this stuff off of you before you're off the stage because you've got to get into your next designer's outfit so they can keep the show moving. Um, I think maybe it's a little more unique if you're doing it for only one designer, right? Sure. Um, but these were, you know, definitely each designer had their crew of people and they would meet you, you know, really close to when you came off stage and said, oh, come over here. This is it. And then your other designers crew of people were like, okay, you're out of that. Let me put this on you. Um, and you, you know, Michelle made the comment to me you're there to show the clothes, not to show you. Okay. So if yeah. You think about that in the pageant world. It's really the opposite. Of yes. It, right. Much so the dress is just augmenting who I am. Right. Mm -hmm. The dress is not wearing me. I'm me. And the dress just kind of sparkles and shows off my personality. Maybe more. <clears throat> the reverse of that is true. When you're a model, you're, you're a clothes hanger, frankly. Um, so it was a very different experience. Um, I absolutely loved it. I did it with three friends and uh, we had an amazing weekend. Uh, we were, <clears throat> um, a handful of us were on a billboard in Times Square. So we spent oh! Times Square forever to watch our faces come up. That's um, awesome. That was a really cool experience. And so um, I was invited to come back this year, but unfortunately I couldn't make uh, this September work, but I will be there in February for spring fashion week. Oh my goodness. That is so amazing that you're doing that. And I'm so glad I asked about it. I have to ask though, like once you finished your first walk for the first designer, maybe after all three, what did you feel like, like coming off the stage, knowing what you had just done? Like, what did that feel like? It was a little bit like being on this stage was a little bit of an out of body, out of body experience, frankly. Okay. I was like, what am I doing? There was a little bit of that imposter syndrome, right? Like, mm -hmm. am I really supposed to be here? Am I really supposed to be doing this? Um, but, you know, uh, and each designer tell, would tell us, you know, smile or stern face or what kind of face they wanted. Um, so you'd come off of there and there was like this emotional release because you, you sort of had to project what that designer wanted you to project. And as soon as it was all over, we just, it was like this giant sigh of relief that we had done it. And I absolutely loved it. Had a blast. We actually went to lunch the next day with one of the designers. Oh. Uh, I've stayed in touch with her. Um, and so 
yeah, it, it, it was really kind of, you know, like I'd never done anything like that before. I've done, you know, now I've done a handful of actual modeling for still photography. Okay. Actually, actually the last pageant that I competed in, I won CoverGirl. Oh, yay. Uh, and I also awesome. won model portfolio. So still photography is actually probably my better forte in the modeling world, I would say. Um, but you know, if somebody's going to give me a chance to walk a runway, I'm going to do it. Yes. Okay. If anything that I've picked up from you, like you are, let me go do this. Let me prove that I can do it. And like, let me benefit from all the goodness that comes from these opportunities. Yeah. It, one of the things that actually has kind of propelled me even more to do some of this stuff was I went to a high school um, and it was actually just earlier this year. I went to a high school and I spoke at their um, career day and it was very unique because I didn't know exactly what they were going to ask me, exactly what they wanted me to do. So I told them, you know, what I did for a career and I sent them kind of a bio. And in that I had included a statement about pageantry. Okay. And so I, I talked to my first class of kids. They're asking me all these questions about, you know, technology and, you know, all that I do and how did I get into it and all this kind of stuff. And then I finally had time to read what they had put on the, the little calendar sheet because the kids got to pick who they went to go listen to. Okay. And they had put on their marketing, high tech and pageantry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. So the next group comes in and I said, okay, well, you guys, I see how they've, you know, listed me out and I know you got to pick to come here. So let's talk about what I do for a living. And then if you have questions about pageantry, I'll absolutely answer them. And we talked about what I did. And then we got into this pageantry question and we started to talk about, you know, a little bit about it and all of this. And it was, it was a lot of fun. It was actually, some of the guys were asking questions. It was really cool. And about, I don't know, about a month later, the instructor sends you their feedback and you know, thank yous and all of this stuff. And one of the girls wrote, thank you so, for, so much for coming and talking to us about how you made your way in your career. Mm -hmm. And most of all, I appreciate that you talked to us that we can still be beautiful and be in technology at the same time. Oh, that's I, really, wow. I lost it. I cried when I read that. I, yeah. I just started bawling because I thought that was never a message that I realized that I was communicating. Right. I, no. I just talked about these are the things that I do. Right. Right. And I never realized that those two actually connected. Yes. That's so, such a powerfully strong message that's being put out there just by your yeah. actions. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I, I haven't changed really how I talk to, you know, girls or, or what I communicate with them. Um, but I do carry that, you know, in my heart, really um, kind of in the forefront. And when I'm talking to these girls that you can be, you can be geeky. And you know what, if you want to be sporty, that's fine. Whatever, be who you want to be. But you don't have to be the stereotypical geeky looking nerd in technology. If you still want to, get dressed up and uh, Barbie's the thing right now, right? If you want to still Barbie it right. up, guess what? You can still tear things apart. You can still build robots. You can still be a chemical engineer, whatever you want to be. So um, that was a really um, 
moving and educational experience for me in, in my journey of, of working with, with students. That's a really great story. I'm glad you shared that because a lot of times um, people who are making huge impacts in this world and creating ripples don't even realize the full effect of what they're doing has on others. And so I'm glad that you were able to like get a story back like that or a thank you that helped you see more of what you do. Yes. And so with pageantry, um, it sometimes gets a bad rap with what it used to be or, you know, the perception. Um, and it sounds like you've had a really great experience with pageantry. I guess, what would you say is the most empowering thing about being in pageants and the way that pageants are today? So for me, pageantry has changed. Um, and the part that I love about it is most pageants today, 50% of your score is based on your interview. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer your majority of how pretty does she look on the stage, right? Is that still part of pageantry? Yeah, that's, you know, a, a kind of the core of it. But we've changed pageantry to emphasize more about the person, the actual person in the pageant. What is she about? What is her platform about? What is her story? How did mm -hmm. she get here and what has happened to her in her life and, and how has that changed her or formed who she is? So to me, that's amazing, right? And I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people, people who aren't in the pageant world, um, don't know that and don't quite understand that. I know. Correct. Yes. I know for my friends, as I explain to them in this journey, you know, this is this is what it's about. Um, cause I can remember when I first told my friends, I'm like, guys, I'm doing a pageant. And they're like, I'm sorry, you're going to do what? <laughs> <laughs> I got similar responses. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's really empowering. I, trust me. Like, <laughs> it's like, you know, no, it's not what you think. Right. Um, yes. you know, they kind of have this, you know, bad taste of, you know, there's been some previous, you know, pageant bad stories of owners and things like that doing some, uh, we'll just say some not uh, tasteful things. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, that's, that's really past us, I think. Um, and, you know, definitely, you know, it, I'm selective in the ones that I, you know, participate in. Same. And same. yeah, I mean, I want them to focus on who I am as a person, not just what I look like in a gown or a swimsuit or whatever they decide the other category is. Yes, that's so true. And I just, I wanted to highlight that because I've shared that before on here too, kind of like how it's so different, but I love getting different perspectives because um, everything that you're doing, like your career choice that you're so involved with STEM robotics, you know, helping young women, girls, women of all ages, um, realize all this, the modeling of pageantry, it just seems everything you're doing has such an empowering undertone and really driving that message or living your life by this is who I am. Let me share myself with the world. And I just feel like that's such an amazing story and thing that you're doing because you're right. Like in the science world, there's not as much out there. In fact, in the past, um, you know, as you said, you were told, science, you can't be part of computer club and things like that. Um, 
So I just want to thank you for sharing all of that because I feel like your message is just so strong and it just shows like you can overcome anything as long as you believe in yourself. Absolutely. Thank you for letting me share my story. But yes, oh, believing in yeah. yourself is, you know, it's it's a lesson you have to teach yourself. I mean, people can tell you, oh, you're amazing and, you know, and all that external stuff, but you have to, you have to believe it. And to me, that's a lesson you teach yourself. And that isn't a perfect like little segue into self-love and what is your self-love point of view? So my self-love point of view is obviously um, believing in yourself. Um, one of the, but when we take that to how do you actually self-love, right? How does that manifest itself? Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's stepping outside of my comfort zone, um, you know, proving to myself that there's something I didn't think I could do that I can do. Um, being able to challenge myself, ironically, is is a self-love thing for me. Um, definitely doing that as a more tactical day-to-day -day thing. I do, um, I find a creative outlet. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a geek and a technologist during the day. Um, so I try to find some sort of creative outlet. I paint, I do lettering, things like that. Um, and those are definitely me experiences, right? I don't tend to share those with friends or my husband or anything like that. That's me sitting down and just really, you know, paints in a easel and seeing what I can create. Okay. I love that you highlighted a me experience because not everything has to be shared with everyone. We're all allowed to have our own individual things we like to do that are just ours. So that is, I'm so glad you highlighted that point. Yes. We have to do something for ourselves, right? I mean, what was the children's book when we were a kid? The Giving Tree, right? You can't yeah. give everything away, right? So you have to stop and do something for yourself. And, you know, you choose what that is. For me, it's, you know, creativity. Before we get to how people can connect with you, I have to just ask, because um, I feel like the STEM part of this whole conversation has been so good. If there are, let's say, mothers or people in going through school right now, listening to this podcast, what are like the top three things you would say to them to encourage them if they're interested in any of the STEM categories? Like, what would you say to kind of guide them or help them, you know, dive into it more? What, what kind of advice would you give? Because obviously you can't connect with everyone in the world, but I feel like right. you have some really key things that people should hear if they're interested. So, I'm going to put a plug in for the robotics competition. Uh, so I would recommend if you're a mom, if you're a student, a parent, whatever, um, check out FIRST. Um, and their website is firstinspires.org. They actually have programs all the way from elementary school through high school. Okay. So the little kids start doing just posters and then they move into Legos and they move into smaller robots. And then the high school kids are creating 100 plus pound robots. Um, wow. So <laughs> yeah, these are not tiny robots that they're creating. Um, but in this, it's not only kids like actually building things or writing code. There are other parts of the competition. For example, what I work with is a lot of the kids that are doing presentations because they have to present what has their team done for the last four months. 
Okay. Um, they have to do fundraising. They have to do outreach. They have to do all of these other things. So there's opportunities for children with all kinds of different wants of experience um, in this um, competition. So I would definitely say check that out. Um, and there's most likely some sort of um, program nearby. Um, typically, it's run by a school, but there's Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, all of them diff- have different ones. So I would say that would be one of the first ones. I would say check out uh, in your local area. There's usually some sort of nonprofit that is focused on women in STEM. Mm. Um, I know here in Central Austin, there's Girl Start um, for a, a more national um, nonprofit. There is a nonprofit called Chick Tech. I'm actually on the board of directors for Chick Tech, so I'll give them a big plug right now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, um, we hold uh, online workshops, conferences, and we work with typically girls in high school through uh, women going into the workforce. So job boards, um, mentoring, career mentoring, all of that kind of stuff. So that's focused towards, you know, maybe a little bit later in, you know, getting into that professional into the world versus robotics might be more, you know, younger students. Um, so that would be like probably my top two. Yeah. And then... I'm going to say if I, I, you know, I'm high tech, so I'm going to focus a little more on that kind of geeky end of the world. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in coding, um, Google um, has free coding classes and so does Amazon. Oh, I've nice. taken them. You can learn very simple coding for free. They have, and, and I'm going to say this, if you're an adult, do not hesitate to take the ones that are more geared towards children. No one knows. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> Absolutely no one knows. You're online. It is okay. Because they're going to explain it in very simplistic terms. I mean, come on. We all do Duolingo and we love the little like, you know, cartoony. Hey, yes. you know, right? <laughs> yes. Take the kid classes. It is okay. <laughs> um, but you can learn C, C++. Python, all of these kind of programming languages um, for free. I mean, you're not going to get, you know, master's level teaching here, but you're going to get proficient enough in these to be able to have a conversation and decide, do I want to continue down this path? That, okay. I love the top three. I will provide links in the show notes for everyone listening out there. They will be there. So that way you can look up these organizations. If you didn't catch the names right then, just check out the show notes. So those are awesome resources. And Rebecca, how can somebody connect with you directly? So the best way to directly um, contact with me is to reach out through Instagram. And uh, my Instagram handle is rebies3. So that is R-E-E-B-Y-S-3 on Instagram. Perfect. And I will also link to that in the show notes and I'll tag you in the post. So if you're following me on Instagram, you will see that we are connected and connect that way. Rebecca, good luck in your upcoming pageant. I cannot wait to see how that goes for you. And I will be rooting you on from afar also for your next modeling gig in February. Thank you so much. But thank you so much for being on the pod and sharing everything like your life with us, what you're passionate about, how you're making changes in this world, and all of the amazing things that you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. I'm so glad. And listeners, thank you for tuning in for another week. 
I will catch you next week on another episode of the Love Yourself Inside Out podcast. That was your weekly dose of self-love with me, Lauren. Want more? Tune in next week and connect with me on Instagram at Mrs. Lauren Elizabeth Jones. Send me a DM. Let me know what you want to hear, what you think, and we'll talk about it all. Join me on the next Love Yourself Inside Out podcast.